Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Tango's History where today we are going to be talking about um, impact but it is going to be the occupation after World War II so make sure to grab a water because it may be a long one. In Europe, occupation came under two forms, in Western, Northern, and Central Europe. France, or which was France, Norway, Denmark, the Low Countries, and the annexed portions of Czechoslovakia, German, Germany established economic policies through which it collected roughly 6.9, no, 69, Jesus, 69.5 billion Reichsmarks, and now it would be 27.8 billion US dollars. on but I don't care by the end of the war and okay Germany cr- collected two, 27.8 billion US dollars by the end of the war this figure does not include the sizable plunder of industrial products military equipment raw materials and other goods thus the income from occupied nations was over 40% of the income Germany collected from taxation a figure which increased nearly to nearly 40% of ger- total German income as the war went on. Nazi plunder, or Raubkunst in German, was the stealing of art and other items which occurred as a result of the organized looting of European countries during the time of the Third Reich by agents who acted on behalf of the ruling Nazi Party of Germany. The looting of Jewish property was a key part of the Holocaust. The plundering was carried out from 1933, beginning with the seizure of property. Um, did I say the property? I mean the plundering was carried out from 1933, beginning with the seizure of the property of German Jews until the end of World War II particularly by military units which were known as the Kunstschutz. Although most of the plunder was acquired during the war, in addition to gold, silver, and currency, cultural items of great significance were stolen, including paintings, ceramics, books, and religious treasures. Although most of these items were recovered by agents of the Monuments, Fine Arts, and Archives Program, or MFAA, also known as the Monuments Men, on behalf of the Allies immediately following the war, many of them are still missing. An international effort to identify Nazi plunder, which still remains unaccounted for, is underway, with the ultimate aim of returning the items to their rightful owners, their families, or their respective countries. In the East, the intended gains of Lebensraum were never attained as fluctuating front lines and Soviet scorched earth policies 
denied resources to the German invaders. Unlike in the West, the Nazi racial policy encouraged extreme brutality against what it con considered to be the inferior people of Slavic descent. Most German advances were thus followed by mass executions. Although resistance groups formed in most occupied territories, they did not significantly hamper German operations in either the East or the West until late 1943. The Scorched Earth Policy is a military strategy that aims to destroy anything that might be useful to the enemy. Any assets that could be used by the enemy may be targeted which usually includes obvious weapons, transport vehicles, communication sites, and industrial resources. However, anything useful to the, to the advancing enemy may be targeted, including food stores and agricultural areas, water sources, and even the local people themselves, though the last has been banned under the 1977 Geneva Conventions. More like Geneva suggestions. The practice can be carried out by the military in enemy territory or its own home territory while it is being invaded. It may overlap with but is not the same as punitive destruction of the enemy's resources which is usually done as part of political strategy rather than operational strategy. Hey, we should have done, maybe should have done this in Iraq, but no, someone fucked it up. Wonder who that is. Not, not Iraq, I mean Afghanistan. In Kabul. Notable historic examples of scorched earth tactics include William Tecumseh Sherman's march to the sea in the American Civil War, Kit Carson's subjugation of the American Navajo Indians, Lord Kitchener's advance against the race bowers, and the setting of fire of 605 to 732 oil wells by retreating Iraqi military forces in the Gulf War. Also notable were the Russian army strategies, I was waiting for them to mention this, the Russian army strategies, uh, strategic, yeah, strategies, during the failed Swedish invasion of Russia, the failed Napoleonic invasion of Russia, the, the initial Soviet retreat, commanded by Joseph Stalin during, world, during the German army's invasion during the Second World War, Jesus Christ, I can't talk, and Nazi Germany's retreat on the Eastern Front. The concept of scorched earth defense is sometimes applied figuratively to the business world in which a term, no, in which a firm facing takeover attempts to make itself less valuable by selling off its assets. Hmm. Asia, Japan termed nations under its occupation as being part of the Greater East Asia co-prosperity sphere, essentially a Japanese hegemony, um, which it claimed was for purposes of liberating colonized peoples, although Japanese forces were sometimes welcomed as liberators from European domination, Japanese war crimes frequently turned local public opinion against them. During Japan's initial conquest, it captured 4 million barrels or four no six hundred forty thousand meters cubed of oil around 
550,000 tons, left behind by uh, retreating Allied forces, and by 1943, they were able to get production in the Dutch East Indies up to 50 million barrels, or 7.9 million meters cubed of oil, or around 6.8 million tons, 76% of its 1940 output rate. The Greater East Asia Co-Prosperity Sphere, or the GEACPS, was an imperialist concept which was developed in the Empire of Japan and propagated to Asian populations which were occupied by it from 1931 to 1945. It extended across the, A the Asia Pacific and promoted the cultural and economic unity of East Asians, Southeast Asians, South Asians, and Ocean Asians. It also declared the intention to create a self-sufficient block of Asian nations which would be led by the Japanese and be free from the rule of Western powers. The idea was first announced on the 1st of August 1940 in a radio address delivered by Foreign Minister Yosuke Matsuoka. The intent and practical implementation, implementation sorry, of the Greater East Asia Coast Prosperity Sphere varied widely depending on the group and government department involved. Policy theorists who, who conceived it, as well as the vast majority of the Japanese population at large, saw, saw it for its pan-Asian ideals of freedom and independence from Western colonial rule. In practice, however, it was frequently used by militarists and nationalists who saw an effective policy vehicle through which to strengthen Japan's position and advance its dominance within Asia. The latter approach was reflected in a document released by, Japan, by Japan's Ministry of Health and Welfare, an investigation of global policy with the Yamato race as nucleus, which laid out the central position of Japan within the Greater East Asia co-prosperity sphere, and promoted the idea of Japanese superiority over other Asians. Japanese spokesman Oak Finley described the Greater East Asia co-prosperity as a device for the development of the J of the Japanese race, when World War II ended, uh, the Greater or the GEACPS became a source of criticism and scorn. That appears to be all I have for you for now. I... That's where I am. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll try to squeeze out the rest of them tonight before I pass out. Have a great day night. Whenever you listen to this, wherever you listen to this, I don't really know. And I'll see you guys soon. Good night. <laughs>